for several weeks with some interruptions, of course, uh, uh, about uh, ruling and reigning in life. So turn over to Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Yeah, so, oh man, the Holy Ghost is powerful. Thank you, Jesus. Um, praise God. Now you are a, you, you know, the Bible says we're a peculiar pe people, a, what a chosen generation, a peculiar people. We're set apart, called out, sanctified. Hallelujah. Did you realize how just the fact that you're at church on Wednesday night has become, you have become so peculiar and unusual in the kingdom of God? It has become, hallelujah, it is the end times, folks, hallelujah. Romans 5, 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So we've been talking about reigning in life, reigning. In other words, walking in the authority that we were given in the new birth and what that encourages compasses and what we have the right to rule and reign over. We talked about Satan. We talked about the origin of Satan. We talked about um, uh, how he fell and uh, from that he was created good. God created everything and he never created anything bad. Everything he's ever created was good. Now some things turned bad. Hallelujah. And, and, and the devil was one of them. He turned bad. He went from Lucifer, uh, uh, an archangel, to being a uh, the the adversary the the ha mm, the devil hallelujah the one we hate hallelujah praise God we're victorious over him thank you for who Jesus has made us thank you Lord and let's turn to Matthew eighteen eighteen because we're going to talk about uh, ruling and reigning uh, and taking our authority over the enemy tonight Matthew eighteen eighteen. Hallelujah. And it will serve as a reminder. You may say, oh, I know this, but chances are you're not fully walking in it. Hallelujah. As probably none of us are. Matthew 18, 18, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So we have here a very important statement that Jesus made, and he said that when we bind something on earth, he's going to back us in heaven. And when we lose something on earth, he's going to back us in heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. He, he's backing us with his, his authority. Uh, the Amplified says whatever you allow on earth will be allowed in heaven. So it's not what God's allowing on earth, it's what we're allowing. You know, the earth, if God was in control in the earth, the earth wouldn't be in a mess. <laughs> Hallelujah. But, but, but he gave that dominion to man, and we've already studied that, and, and we've allowed things to go on in the earth. And we allow things to go on in our earth, our little patch of ground that God has given us. And we should rule and reign. Hallelujah. If you, you rule and reign over your house and your yard and your family and your home, and you decide what's allowed there and what's not allowed, and God will back you in heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. So um, <clears throat> we bind spirits in their operation against us on the authority of God's word. We don't just do this. We're not just, you know, we're not just kind of just weirdos that just say, oh, you know, we, we are doing all of we do when we bind the devil. We are doing it on the authority of God's word. So I want to look at some of those scriptures that, that prove that. Luke 10, 19. We'll go there first tonight. 
in Luke 10, 19, hallelujah, it says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I give you unto you power. That first word power is exousia. It mean, it, that's the Greek word. It means authority. I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power. That word power, the second word power is dunamis and it's like force. It's the, it's, 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 it's actually supernatural power, force, whatever the devil has in the way of power, God has given you authority over it. Hallelujah. You have authority over the devil's power. Hallelujah. And so you need to quit letting him operate. Uh, it, it, in, I looked this up in the Strong's and it said, um, power, when it says there, it says power to tread on serpents and scorpions. The strong said authority to keep underfoot. You, you, you can't, you don't have authority to destroy the devil. You'd like to sometimes, wouldn't you? But you got the authority to keep him under your foot. Hallelujah. Keep him underfoot at all times. Don't let him raise his head up. If he ever tries, start speaking the word and speaking the blood. He won't try long. He don't like you to talk the word and talk the blood. Somebody said it this way. If the devil starts trying to talk to you about your future, you start telling him about his and he'll get out of there. Because he don't want you to talk about what's fixing to happen to him. <laughs> you know, uh, um, it says uh, where it says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, see, a lot of people are they don't they you know, they don't just stop to think and they go, well, that just can't be true because I know the devil's hurting some people. Yeah, but it's, it's not talking. It's talking about that the devil won't be able to hurt those that keep him underfoot. It's not talking about, well, the devil just can't hurt anybody. No, he's going to hurt people that don't keep him underfoot. And if you you have to you have to stay in authority. Don't don't ever don't ever get out of your position of authority. You can't take a vacation from a, from your position of authority. Uh, it means to hurt. There, that word hurt means to hurt morally, socially, or physically. Nothing shall hurt you morally. Nothing shall help you help hurt you socially. Nothing shall hurt you physically. That just pretty much covers it all, doesn't it? And then turn to Philippians 2. Looking at these scriptures where we were ruling and reigning with Christ over the enemy. Hallelujah. And we must, we must, we must. We must rule and reign. And I just, I just, I, if I could just express to you what's in my heart about how powerful your ruling and reigning is and how powerful your prayers are, even, even though you may think, well, you know, I didn't spend long praying. I didn't, I don't know if I said it just right, but what you know about ruling and reigning, how powerful that is and how God uses it in the earth and how, uh, how much, you know, you may think, well, things are really bad, so we must not be praying enough. Well, we certainly could pray more, but I tell you, things would be a whole lot worse, hallelujah, but for the fact that you have been taking your authority and you have been ruling and reigning. I mean, you just don't know how bad it could be. How, you know, you may say, well, America's in a mess. Yeah, but you don't know how bad it could be. Hallelujah. And uh, 
Praise God. So Philippians 2, 9 and 10. So your prayers are availing. Your prayers are working. Praise God. And you know, I think that if we had confidence to believe that, that how powerful our prayers were, that it would inspire us to pray more. But when we think about, well, what good's this going to do? What will we just kind of, well, you know, I don't know if I, you know, and we just kind of get distracted and don't speak and pray and take authority and bind and loose and, uh, you know, hallelujah. But so we need to, we need to do those things. Uh, Philippians 2, 9 and 10 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. A name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. I'd like to take out that word things because it's not, it's in, it's italicized so we could take it out. It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and in earth and under the earth. So when we speak the name of Jesus, hallelujah, and when we speak it with authority and with faith, you know, hallelujah, not just rattling and not just using it. A lot of people use the name of Jesus, not very respectfully, but using it with power and using it with faith and using it with authority, heaven, heaven responds. And, and, and things in the earth have to stop and respond. Hallelujah. And things under the earth, that, they'd be talking about demons and devils. They have to respond. They have to cease and desist. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, the, the, the strong said must confess. They must confess. They must confess that Jesus is Lord. Here it kind of says it a little bit different. It says shall. Doesn't it say shall? Should confess. Let's see, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in earth and things on the earth, and that every tongue should confess. Should, but this says shall. In the Greek, it's really not just, well, they should confess. No, it's they shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And just because you don't hear them say it, I'm telling you what, when they back off from you, demon spirits or whatever that's trying to operate, uh, you know, that is confessing. That's saying, oh, Jesus Christ is Lord. And uh, the Amplified says, bow and submit. They have to bow and submit. Isaiah 54, 17. Bow and submit. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So we walk in this righteousness, and in this righteousness that we walk in, no weapon that's formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against us in judgment, who condemns it? God's going to condemn it? No, it doesn't say that. It says you shall condemn. That doesn't mean you just that you say, well, now you stop talking about me like that. <laughs> you know, no, that means you say, I don't receive that. I won't take that when something rises up against you in judgment. And you know, you may, it may just be a thought that comes to your mind. You ever had a negative thought come to your mind? You're going to die. Huh? huh? Yeah, anybody ever had that thought? You know, you, you can get a pain in your toe, and it's amazing how the devil tell you you're going to die. Isn't it? Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> You'll start thinking, man, I don't know. That's probably terminal. And, uh, and that's the devil. And, you know, you've got to rise up against that thought. Uh, Brother Copeland said, you know, you can't fight a thought with a thought. 
And sometimes we just sit there and think, well, I'm sure that's, and we just think, we don't. But you got to, you, you fight a thought with the talk, with talk, with saying something. So you've got to condemn the thought. You've got to condemn anything that rises up in, against you in judgment. I've actually had people say things to me before. And I actually said, I don't receive that, you know. That is not who I am. I'm not receiving that. So you sometimes you have to stop the, 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 the voice of condemnation. And this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness of me, saith the Lord. Revelation 12, 11. We'll go there and then we'll talk about some other things. Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. They overcame him, talking about the devil, because the verse before is talking about the accuser of the brethren, so we know he's talking about the devil. And he says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Hallelujah. You're not going to overcome the devil. Nobody is unless they've been washed in the blood of the lamb. And I'll tell you something further, not just being washed in it, but having an understanding of the power of the blood of Jesus. Oh, don't you feel sorry for all the, the Christians in, in town that, that, that where they've taken the blood out of the hymnals. They've taken the, they've taken the blood. They don't want to talk about the blood anymore. The devil wants to get the power out of the church because there's still power in the blood. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Hebrews that the blood still speaks. And the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Well, my word, how are they going to get their sins forgiven if they, if they take the blood out of the church? Hallelujah. It's going to be a form of godliness that denies the power. Hallelujah. Okay, so, um, and it, so we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Now, when I was a young Christian, and you probably thought this too, I'd read that and think, well, I need to get up and testify. Because that'll make me overcome if I get up and testify and say, now y'all pray for me. The, you know, like one lady got up and said, uh, uh, y'all pray for me. I've been fighting the devil all week, bless his holy name. You know, and we did stuff about like that, you know. We'd get up and testify. And not anything, boy, I tell you, I love a good testimony. Don't get me wrong. But you're not going to, you know what? In fact, when you get up and testify, get ready for a fight. It's not going to be, oh, that's the sure way to overcome. No, that's the sure way to draw some more fire. Hallelujah. I'm not discouraging you for testifying, but I'll tell you, there's a time to hold your peace and, may, and, and get the battle firmly won. Sometimes I think we get out there too quick. I tell you what, I've been holding a testimony. I hadn't even told pastor since last September. Hallelujah. Because I'm not going to release it until the Lord tells me. And it's powerful. I mean, it's, it's powerful. But, you know, sometimes we got to hold our peace and we just keep overcoming because the testimony we overcome with is speaking the Word of God. 1 Peter 2, 24, whose own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. And I speak those things every day and I'm overcoming by it. Amen. Because when I speak it, it's going in my ears, then it's dropping in my spirit. And my spirit is then taking that word and taking it, by, especially as we pray in tongues, and taking it and pumping it all over my body. Hallelujah. And the Bible says in Proverbs 4, verse 20, it is life, health, and medicine to all my flesh. Hallelujah. And not only that, and not only that, but ha ha, my faith muscle is growing strong in Jesus' name. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, or my faith is active when I hear it. Hallelujah. 
And nobody can activate my faith by hearing like I can activate my faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And it never fails to do it. I have been doing this for years, and I have never failed. Now, sometimes, you know, some mornings I read two or three scriptures, and I'm just, whoo. But then some mornings it seems like i got to prime the pump a little more before my faith gets activated. And I have to let the Holy Spirit guide me. Uh, you know, you don't want to get in any spiritual ruts. I use little books, but I don't use one book all the time because you'll get dead to it. You got to stay where something's fresh. You got to keep it fresh, folks. Keep it fresh. Hot bread, hot bread. Okay, uh, so uh, we talked about some things. We talked about demon spirits. You know, remember, and we talked about uh, spiritual wickedness in high places and rulers of the darkness of this world. Well, I want to tell you something that I didn't ever get to that night was that the rulers of the darkness of this world. Uh, let me see. Ephesians chapter 6. Okay. Ephesians chapter 6. I want to talk about these demon spirits for a minute. I don't want to talk about them, but I need to talk about them. Hallelujah. We're going to expose them and uncover them. Ephesians chapter 6, verse um, 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The rulers of the... Brother, Jesus told Brother Hagin when he appeared to him and talked to him about uh, authority over the devil and such that the rulers of the darkness of this world are the most intelligent type of spirits that believers have to deal with. You know, there are low-level devils that are pretty stupid and they, you know, just kind of harass you. That's what Billy Brim calls them, low-level devils. <laughs> They just aggravate and harass. But these rulers of the darkness of the world are more a more intelligent type. And these are this is what Brother Hagin, Jesus told Brother Hagin. These are the spirits that possess a person. They rule over other spirits and they tell them what to do. And they uh, they anyone anyone walking in darkness can be dominated by a ruler of darkness. They rule over unsaved people. And that's what Jesus told him, and I, I believe this, and anyone walking in darkness, including believers. They, in other words, now, if you're a believer and you're born again, your spirit's sealed. There ain't no devil going to get in your spirit. But I guarantee you, you can get one in the flesh. You can get one in the soul. You can get one. And, uh, you know, so people, some people have said, well, uh, an unbeliever can be demon-possessed in his spirit. And, and then, a, but a believer can't be demon possessed in the spirit, but they can, some people say it this way, can be oppressed. Or I could, you could say it this way, they can't be possessed in their spirit, but they could be possessed in their soul or possessed in their flesh. And it's these spirits that would do this. So someone that's a mass murderer would have a demon spirit. Or Hitler, there's no doubt, he had a devil, probably legions. Um, Anyone walking in darkness can be dominated. So saved people can yield to these spirits and let them dominate them, either by consent or by ignorance or by disobedience. By consent, by ignorance, or by disobedience. Saved and unsaved people sometimes do things and don't know why they do them. Have you ever heard anybody say that? 
They can commit acts of darkness and then say, I don't know what made me do that. Good people would say, have said before, I'll never do anything like that. And pretty soon they do something worse. Sometimes your own family, somebody in your family might do something horrible. And you could say something like this. That's not the person I know. I, I, don't, I don't understand that. That's not the person I know. I, I actually was watching TV when I was recent, about, a few, I was preparing this maybe a month ago, and uh, I saw this little thing on TV about those little Amish girls that were murdered. Remember when they, that man went to that Amish schoolhouse and murdered those little girls? His wife was so flabbergasted. She said, that's not my husband. That's not the man I know. My husband's a good father. He's a good husband. He's a hard worker. He earns a good living. That's not the man I know. But he went out there, and there's no doubt about it, he went out there in cold blood, plotted and planned it, and, and, and uh, uh, murdered all those little Amish girls in that schoolhouse. Well, why would someone do something like that? Devil and a demon possessing you? Now, I'll tell you this. You have to yield to the devil to get demon-possessed. You don't just walk down the street one day and a devil jump on you and make you go do something you didn't want to do. But you yield to him over and over again. You know, uh, and sometimes it don't take long. Sometimes, you know, just one trip on the internet to a pornography site and the devil's got a hook in you. But sometimes it's more. Sometimes one, you know, some people have a in their DNA, I think they proved this, doctors and stuff have, scientists, have a propensity towards addiction. And so sometimes one smoke of a cigarette, one joint, you know, a kid doesn't think or a person doesn't think, oh, one joint's not going to hurt me, but there are people that are hooked after one joint or one cigarette, and they're literally addicted because they have that, or, or, you know, and that's why, you know, some people say, oh, well, you know, the Bible, it's okay to drink wine. Well, you know, the Bible says all things are lawful, not all things are profitable. I think there's great danger in it, though. Proverbs says that wine's a mocker. And, you know, the, to me, the danger is, is what if you're one of those persons that is so easily addicted? American Indians have a propensity towards addiction. Uh... And, and, you know, I, my, I'm 32nd cousin. Well, actually, my mom was 32nd, so I must be 33rd cousin to Pocahontas. <laughs> That's what she said all my life. <laughs> they say, though, when you get that far, we're all related. So. But I'm supposed to be 33rd cousin. And my great-grandfather now, he was my great-great-grandfather was a full-blood Delaware Indian. How, and his, he, he, so I could tell you some things about that. But... You know, so I, you, you know, we, you need to be wise. We need to be wise. So I think, you know, these the, the demons get the hold of us when we yield to things. You know, they say, you know what, addictions. They say that people are addicted to tanning beds. Have you ever heard that? Well, I'm like, how do you get addicted to a tanning bed? I was like, and we know people who are addicted, you know, we know we had, well, there's food addictions, there's Coca-Cola addictions, there's, you know, there's all sorts of things. It's, so in other words, what I'm saying is, it's real easy for our bodies to get, you know, we had a lady in our church, I hope I don't offend anybody here, in West Texas, she's addicted to nose spray. She can't live without nose spray. You know, so, so hallelujah, we have to, we have to handle things very carefully. Yeah, um, 
even things that are that can be for a good you know I have used that nose spray before and you know you actually uh, kept you from <laughs> going to be with Jesus that night because you couldn't breathe man but I'm just saying we hold we need to hold all things very carefully okay so uh, saved people can yield to these spirits and let them dominate them by consent, by ignorance, or by disobedience. Saved and unsaved people sometimes do things that they don't know. I'm, I'm starting over, aren't I? Uh, let's see. In 1 John 5, 19, let's go there. 1 John 5, 19. So, you know, I tell you, if you do have an addiction, there's a way out. If you're addicted to coffee, you can break it in three days. You won't be able to... You, you'll sleep standing up for three days, but but if you want out of it, you can break it. Hallelujah. I know because I did one time. First John five nineteen, and we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. The whole world lieth. See, we need to get a picture sometimes, because sometimes we're not seeing it like it really is. And he's not talking about now the trees, and you know, he's talking about the unsaved people, the whole world, life and wickedness. And since so, when we see something on the news or we hear about something, and uh, then why are we so surprised? And see, on the news right now, they try to be so politically correct, and they, and you know, but we got to go by the Bible. The Bible says the unsaved people that the whole they lie and the whole world lieth in wickedness, you know. So we go by the Bible. We don't go by the politically correct or what the news media says, and we don't go by, you know, uh, Coca Cola. You know, they had the big ad. I think this has been so many years ago. Y'all don't even remember it, probably, but it showed the world, and you know, the, well, we'll teach the world to sing. We're all brothers, and so that's such a sweet thought. It's just so wrong. You know, and we, you know, we all, the whole, ever the circle the globe and, and, you know, love people, love people. Not that, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He loves these people, but when it comes to knowing how to deal with them, we need to know what the Bible says. And the Bible says that it, that they lie, that this whole world lieth in wickedness. Every unsaved person is in the kingdom of darkness. Every unsaved person is ruled and motivated, some more and some less. Not everybody's a Hitler, but some more and some less. They are all ruled and motivated by demons or evil spirits. And you know, that's where we used to be. That's where we used to be. You know, even a little child. I know one time, a long time ago, somebody had a little child in the church. They was acting so horrible. And they came to counsel with me about their little boy that was acting so horrible. And so I began to talk to him. And I said, well, let's get him saved. He was old enough to get saved. Let's get him saved and maybe he'll quit acting like the devil. And of course, there's discipline involved too. But you know, there's a, it's, a, it's, it's even more helpful if you'll get them saved and then discipline them. Hallelujah. Because the devil has influence. And we need to keep that influence off of our children, by the way. Ephesians 2, 8, 2, 1 through 8. Let's look at some more scriptures along these lines. Ephesians 2, I'm getting there, 1 through 8. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's what you used to be, dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Did you know that's what we used to be? 
We used to walk according to whatever the devil's whims were, according to the prince of the power of the air. Some of you that got saved as a child may not be so much aware of this as those of you that maybe got saved as an adult and you realize that you were being pushed around by the devil and that you were walking according to the, the prince of the power of the air, and he was influencing you to do things that, that, that you know, maybe your parents even told you that wouldn't be good to do, or, or you shouldn't do that, but you were being pushed around by the devil. And uh, um, that now this spirit, it says, this spirit worketh in the children of disobedience. And like we said before, to some, some to more of a degree than others, depending on several factors, depending on how much they've yielded to him and how much they've had that demonic influence in their life. If we could, you know, children that, you know, raised up out on the farm with, and all they got is cows, can't even get cable TV, I guarantee you they're not going to have the, the amount of demonic influence that somebody that's plunked down in front of one of those Dungeons and Dragons video games every day and watches uh, some uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch on TV every other day. I mean, there's this demonic influence that's just... That's just uh, bathing them all the time and, and and so they're going to begin to be a puppet of that and then there's another factor is just that the devil's not omnipresent he can't be everywhere at one time like Jesus and so you know it's just like not everybody runs into one every day so there's another factor you know uh hallelujah so uh <clears throat> According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation. That word should be lifestyle. We had our lifestyle in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by the nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Hallelujah. Don't you want them to know? Don't you want them to be free? I do. I want people to be free. I want them to know. I want people to know what we know. And not just the unsaved. I want Christians to know what to know about their authority. I want Christians to lead the abundant life. Pastor and I, that's our whole mission since 1980, is that, Christ, that other Christians would, would lead the abundant life. That they would hear the word and the power of the word and they would come out of darkness into light and live it here on this earth and have days of heaven on earth that they could hear good news so that they could have good life. Instead of hearing old dead religion and, 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 and hearing all the why God can'ts and why he wants and, and you know, like one lady told pastor today said, God can't do a miracle for all of us. There's just way too many of us. I mean, that is just, you know, bizarre. That's like, you know, huh? And with a straight face, she said it, believed it, believed it. Couldn't do a miracle. God could do a miracle, but he couldn't do one for all of us. Well, there's way too many of us on the earth, you know. And, uh, you know, wow, what a, you know, people like that, even if they're Christians, they wind up on the spiritual junk heap. 
You know, they're not going to have any victory. Hallelujah. And they're going to, they're, they're confused. They don't understand. They think, they think God brings bad things. They don't know that Jesus never did anything bad, never gave anything to anybody that's bad, and the devil can't give you anything good. And they've believed the lie, some of them, that there isn't even a devil. Or if, he, if there is, he's just something in hell for bad people when they go, in that, and, and only really bad people, according to them, go to hell. Only Hitler and mass murderers, everybody else, you, you know, if you do, if you're... If you do any, you, you know, how, that is such a, oh, such a deception. Hallelujah. That's what we're living for. That's what we're living our life for is to get this word out there. That's all we're here for. That's it right there. You got it. That's it. Uh, let's go over to Colossians 1.13. Hallelujah. I want them to know. I want people to get baptized in the Holy Ghost like we did on January 1st, 1980 because that's when we started living an abundant life. That's when the Word came alive to us. That's when we begin to, to, to see. We begin to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And we begin to rise up and, and, and understand and have an authority. And, and we begin to rule and reign in our life. And you know, there were some, we've had some scrapes and bumps along the way. We've tripped and fell. The Bible says, though the righteous fall the seven times, the Lord will raise them up every time. We've been, we've been raised back up every time. Yeah, we've, we've took authority sometimes and it seemed like the devil just stuck his tongue out at us. And, but you know what? We always, and I can, you know, the Bible says he always causes triumph in Christ Jesus. I tell you, since we've been in this, eventually we always triumph. Sometimes it didn't look like we were. And it, I, I can tell you a lot of times it didn't happen as fast as I wanted it to. Or I, I always thought, you know, I, I'm going to rebuke the devil and it, you know, and and he's going to leave right now and everything's going to, all my cold symptoms will leave or whatever I was battling that at that time, you know, and I've went through everything. I mean, I've thrown the sign, you, you know, get the sinus medicine, go throw it in the dumpster, you know, <laughs> trying to get an act of faith. I have done all of that. I've been, like Joyce Meyer said, I've bound, I've loosed, I've cast out, I've screamed, I've stomped, I've yelled, I've whispered, I've prayed, I've begged, I've pleaded, you know. But I tell you what it is in the end is get on the word and don't get off. It's not, it's believe the word, get on it and don't get off until the devil bows his knee. I don't know why some things take longer than others, but I'm not going to stop. Amen. Colossians 1.13 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Turn to Romans 3 verse 10. You know what? The faith walk's not an easy walk, but it's the only walk. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, it's that or be run over, <sighs> be eat up. Hallelujah. You either got to win or not win. Hallelujah. So you might as well just get in there and start winning. You know, hallelujah. You know, I've, I've thought about that. I think I'll just go the mercy route. I don't want to use my faith. I just want to believe that some, you know, a lot of people are just believing all oh, for God to just have mercy. Faith is what moves God. He already had mercy. He sent Jesus. He's already had mercy on me. Certainly he does help us every day and he gives, he helps us by giving us wisdom. He helps us by taking us to the word and making us, helping us think right. Uh, Romans 3 verse 10. As is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Well, now that's not talking about believers. 
but I bet you, I, I bet we'd be amazed how many times on the earth that that was preached this Sunday, this past Sunday. There's none righteous, no, not one. Not one of you are righteous. All your righteousness is as filthy rags. Well, yeah, it was before you were saved. It was filthy. You had no righteousness, and there's not one person that can, has ever been able to say except Jesus that he was righteous that was born in this earth. You know, some people have a bumper sticker that says, born right the first time. Sorry. There's none righteous, no, not one. But I want to tell you something, believer. It's not talking about you. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. I'm telling you, believer, that's not talking about you. You do understand. He's given you a spirit of understanding. Hallelujah. Jesus paid such an awesome price and who we are is so magnificent and wonderful that as much as we know in this church, which isn't much, when we get to heaven, we're going to be bowled over by, oh my word, you mean we were that? And we didn't even know it. We hadn't even touched on that yet. Oh my word, you mean we were living that far below our privileges in Christ? There is none that understand it. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. The Bible says that unsaved people are unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Now that is an amazing statement. And that would cause, I guarantee you, you got on TV and said, there's none, not one of them that doeth good, no, not one. You could have a war. So what could he be talking about? Because we know that there are people that aren't saved that do acts of charity. They give money. They give, you know, I'm sure there's been unsaved people that jumped in the water to save a little boy or something. I bet you there has. I know there has. It just stands to reason. I know that there's been soldiers that went to war and gave their life that weren't even born again. But did you ever think about that that man that jumps in the water to save that little boy and he's not born again, that it's God that moved upon him on behalf of that little boy and on behalf of somebody's prayers and that it wasn't him at all in his heart? Did you ever think about that that soldier that signed up and went to war and fought for a good cause, but they weren't born again, that it wasn't out of the righteousness and the good motive and the, and the love of their heart that they did it, but that God moved upon them supernaturally to do it on behalf of righteousness and on behalf of you and I. Did you ever think about that? You know, not everything everybody does, they do it because they want to. I've had people do some very magnificent things for me that it wasn't, and, and then they didn't even want to. And they did it not wanting to, saying they weren't wanting to, and couldn't believe they did it when they got through. I promise you. The man that built our house, he's not a believer, he's a Jewish man. And we, I wanted a swimming pool. I was believing to get a pool when we built that house, or bought that, he had already started it. And so he said, no, 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 I don't want to do that. Because if you see you're going to, you're going to sign a contract on this house, and then when I get the house finished, if you decide not to take it, I'm going to be stuck with a swimming pool in the backyard, and you and can't hardly sell a house with a swimming pool. And so he said, so I'm not going to do that. No, no, no. But we went to his office. We didn't say anything more. He typed up the contract, put a swimming, put the, in the loan papers, typed it all up with a swimming pool in it, went to Regions Bank. We went up there to finance the house. We go sign this paper. And he's griping the whole time about how he don't want a swimming pool. 
in this backyard. And the Regions Bank lady said, well, so-and-so, you put it in the contract. And, and he said, well, yeah, I guess I did, didn't I? Hallelujah. See, God will move on people on your behalf. And it didn't have anything to do with the goodness of his heart. It didn't have anything to do with him being hallelujah. He didn't, it wasn't like, oh, I want to do Michael and Debbie Billings right. Hallelujah. Praise God. It was, it, yeah, and it was just God moving on him. Hallelujah. So, so you need to think about that. There's none that, um, Let's see, they are not, they've become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. So it's talking about things like that, but it's also talking about that even when it sometimes seems like they do good, the motive of their heart is not always right. Not everybody gives money, gives it because the motive of their heart is right. You know? And I tell you, I've had people, have been pastor, have had people support us in the ministry, and you think, oh, this is because they love God and they love us, and the next day they wouldn't give you a dime. And it's like, whoa, that was God, wasn't it? Whoa, God came on them, didn't he? And I, whoa, that was an act of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, you don't give for that reason or that purpose. You give because God can motivate you right out of your heart. But he can't them. He, gives, he, he comes on them. He comes on them like he did in the Old Testament and moves them. Moves them to give you a raise. And they spit and cuss when you leave the room and wonder why they did it. Yeah. It says their, their throat, verse 13, is an open sepulcher. Their tongues have been used, have, they have used, with their tongues they have used deceit. It's common. Did y'all ever hear that saying? Now I'm not trying to put this on lawyers, but I've heard that saying. You know how to tell if a lawyer's lying. Is he talking? Well, yeah, I'm not trying to put that on lawyers. There's probably some... Christian ones, I'm sure. Uh, that would be a hard profession to be in and maintain a Christian. You would nearly have to go to some other, some specialty kind of law. You certainly couldn't be a criminal lawyer because they they have to get up there with a straight face and lie, don't they? Don't they? But when the Bible's talking about that people that aren't born again, it's just like they if they open their mouth, it, it, it's, it's deception. It's deceitful. Hallelujah. We ought to be aware of these things. Hallelujah. Put all our confidence over in God, not in man. Isn't that the truth? Uh, the poison of asps is under their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Did y'all ever watch a movie and it be a pretty good movie and it have maybe one or two bad words and you go, why did they put that in there? This movie would have been just as good or better even if they hadn't. They just can't help themselves. That cursing just, it, they cannot stop it. Their feet are swift to shed blood. They enjoy it. They enjoy hurting people. They enjoy destroying people's reputation. They enjoy trying to find some lie to tell on any person they can find. The bigger the lie, the better. Boy, they make a living out of it, some of them. They put the National Enquirer, and it's like, well, you know, so-and-so is, I, I don't know. They're divorcing, and it's not, some of the times it won't have an a, 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 a ounce of truth to it, I think. I don't know. I, don't, I just, you know, stand in the grocery line like y'all do. Hallelujah. Uh, their, their, their mouth is full of cursing and bitter. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. 
There is no fear of God before their eyes. We shouldn't be so shocked. We shouldn't be so shocked. Hallelujah. Makes you want to go to a commune and just live, doesn't it? Just get some other Christians. But we can't do that because we got to win them. Hallelujah. Can't do it. Cannot do it. 1 Corinthians, we'll end with this. 1 Corinthians 2. I think we should look at these scriptures sometimes in the Bible. I think they would save us some misery if these scriptures were, were looked at more. Because you read all these things about the unsaved. Why in the world would anybody ever, a Christian ever marry somebody that wasn't saved? When you read this stuff, it's like you, you're going to marry the devil. You're going to marry the devil. And uh, oh, man, think of the misery. If we would have actually known these things were in the Word. 1 Corinthians 2.12, that we would have avoided. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. There's a spirit to this world. But the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. You know what? You don't have that Spirit of this world anymore. Hallelujah. And so, and, and of course, the bigger that you let the Holy Spirit live with inside of you, the more you're going to be repulsed by the things of this world. Just totally repulsed. And you just go, what do they see in this? Why, you know, we went to, uh, we passed, we went to a funeral this past week. So we passed through Mississippi and Louisiana, and then we got into Texas. And so in some of those restaurants in Louisiana and Mississippi, I had gotten spoiled here in Tuscaloosa because we got this smoke-free restaurants. Oh, we went, and I'm like, I, it's, can y'all not tell this smells like the devil I'm thinking? The, it's, this smells like, this smells just like hell. This is a horrible, horrible smell. I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes, but, uh, and you know, it's amazing because I grew up in it. I grew up with two smokers, and you know, and, uh, but uh, see, the more we develop our spirit, the more we go, I, I, don't, I don't know how people do this. How do they stand it? How do they, I couldn't even work in here. I couldn't, this atmosphere is, corrupted and corroded and and you know isn't it amazing how they always put it where you have to get to the bathroom you have to walk through it <laughs> so uh, okay not trying to be uh, I'm not trying to hurt people that smoke I have compassion on addiction on people that smoke I really do but the more you develop your spirit first of all the more you won't want to smoke and it'll fall off of you and the more you develop your spirit, the more you'll have such an intolerance for anything like that. Uh, me and Eric, we was kind of playing around with each other, and he texted me and said he recommended we stay at Isle of Capri in Shreveport. Uh, he knew that he was just trying to get under my skin. So I was just happened, and we were actually in Natchez because we... we dropped down and saw Natchez on our way because we had a little bit of time there before and so I just we were driving by and I saw Isle of Cree so I just took a phone picture of it and said took your advice and we did not stay at Isle of Capri <laughs> but um huh you put it on Facebook for me oh that's nice <laughs> hallelujah church Facebook mm -hmm. huh well, I guarantee you, I couldn't have slept a wink. I would, because I, my, my spirit's too highly developed. I'm, I, I, well, you know, I might could have, if I had just, I might just have had to get down and say, now by faith, I'm going to do this. 
but I, it would have been doubtful if I could have done it. You know, and you know they we they say we always have a hotel incident. Well, guess what? <laughs> In Natchez, we went to the Hampton Inn to stay, and they said we're full, and we recommend this hotel up on the hill, and it's brand new. And we went up there, and it, I'm telling you, it's a brand new hotel, but it's 18 months old, and they hadn't even finished the pool. I mean, you know, and when six other people are staying in a huge hotel, you're getting like, this is weird. So there we go. We just can't leave without having a hotel adventure because we're in this big hotel, and six other people are staying in it and or something like that. You know, there's about six cars out front. The pool is just a concrete blob, and, uh, oh, it was kind of different. So... <laughs> just one of our adventures. First Corinthians, uh, I'm going to read this scripture, 14 now. First Corinthians 2, 14. But the natural man, now that's talking about the unsaved, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. So the natural man understand, now you understand why some of your friends, when you talk about spiritual things, they don't understand. And even sometimes, you know, Christians can be so naturally minded that they don't even understand when you talk about the things of the Spirit. And so that's why we're going to have friend day and we're not going to even try to, we're just going to appeal to the natural man. Come be my friend and come eat lunch. We're not even going to try to say, oh, we have a glorious choir and we're going to have the best music. And oh, we're going to have now we might even say we might say we're going to have a drama because, you know, oh, yeah, some people are going to really do a crazy drama. You can tell them it's crazy. I don't know how crazy it'll be. But, you know, so we're going to appeal totally to the natural side on that Sunday. Amen. We're not going to say, oh, come here, my pastor. He is such a good preacher. You know, we're not even going to concern ourselves that with that. Then we're going to let the Holy Ghost, you know, the presence of God come on them. And then we're going to let the Word affect them because it will affect them. The Word will have an effect on them. Even though it might not attract them at first, it'll have an effect on them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand up. Oh, we got to take an offering. So let's see. Praise God. How we want to do this first. Huh? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I just let that pastor figure that out.